Good morning. All right. For all who haven't been here lately, we're going over uh, Joshua. We're doing a series on Joshua. And um, today we're going to be doing Joshua chapter 3. But before we start, let's do a little recap of last week of what happened with uh, Jason's sermon in chapter 2. He spoke on Rahab and the two spies that were spent by, sent by Joshua uh, to go check out Jericho. Now, if you know anything about Rahab, Rahab was a harlot, okay? She was a modern-day, what we call a prostitute, all right? And she took in these two spies, and she hid them. And in the process, she ended up committing treason to her own city, okay? Now, she also did other things. She made a covenant with them, okay? She was able to protect herself, protect her family, because she knew that the invasion was inevitable. It was going to happen, and uh, she was going to be safe. But Rahab is so much more than that. Rahab, uh, later on, is in the bloodline of David, who is in the bloodline of Jesus. It's amazing how God uses a harlot in the bloodline of Jesus. You, you would have never thought that. So, now, before we dig into chapter 3, why don't we pray? Father, we just thank you for this time together. We thank you for the book of Joshua. We thank you for it being recorded for us to read. And Lord, we just ask that uh, out of it, that we be able to take things from it and apply it to our own lives. Uh, yes, it did happen some time ago, but there's always application from every verse that we can read here. And Lord, uh, I just pray that we take something away from it today. In your name I pray, amen. If you get your Bibles, your electronic devices, turn to Joshua chapter 3, starting at verse 1. Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and he and all the sons of Israel set out from Shittim and came to the Jordan, and they lodged there before they crossed. At the end of three days, the officers went through the midst of the camp, and they commanded the people, saying, When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God with the Levitical priests carrying it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. However, there shall be between you and and it a distance of about 2,000 cubits by measure. Do not come near it, that you may know the way by which you shall go, for you have not passed this way before. Stop there for a second. So Joshua and the sons of Israel, they set out, and they come to the edge of the Jordan River. Now, before they cross the Jordan, they're going to camp there for three days. Probably a pretty good idea, you know, who, let's see how much distance has been between that time to the Jordan River, okay? You're going to want to rest, refuel, um, you know, three days should give you that amount of time. And let's face it, behind you, you already know what's behind you. You just came that way, okay? And the Jordan River is a nice barrier because what's on the other side is where you're going to be going, which would you're going to try to conquer. And another thing is, you're not going to be like the two spies that went out. Okay, you have thousands with you. Okay, you're not going to be very sneaky, you're like the reconnaissance that the two spies did. You have an entire army at this point. 
So a river between you and the enemy is probably a pretty good idea. Now, at the end of those three days, the officers went out through the camp and told the army what was going to happen next. The Levitical priests and the Ark of the Covenant are going to go out before you and lead the way. And you have about 2,000 cubits between you, you and the Ark. Okay, In our terms today, 2,000 cubits is about 3,000 feet, give or take. Okay, That's a little over half of a mile away. And between, depending upon the topography of the land, trees, hills, boulders, that might be difficult to see. But you get the point. There's going to be a, a big space. Now, this portion of chapter 3 is probably one of my favorite, at least for the first couple of verses. And when I was reading over it, there was a couple things that just came into my mind of, you know, that didn't make sense to me at first. Number one is, why would you allow your most valuable possession, your priceless object to go over a half a mile in front of you? To me, it doesn't make any sense. I'm going to put the Ark of the Covenant way in the back. You're going to have to go through thousands of soldiers to get to this piece. That is my most, my most prized possession. Stay away from it. Um, it's kind of like capture the flag. For any of you who have never played capture the flag, it's not a very good strategy to put your flag right on the front line. Okay, uh, usually going to have it clear in the back. You got to go through everybody else to get to it. And uh, like I said, not a not a good idea. Okay, but I think there's a reason why it's out front. Okay, you know they're going they're crossing over the Jordan River. They're going to be going into the promised land. It's about 40 years up to this point, and the ark is going out before you, okay? But the question here is, who's really leading the way? It's not the Levitical priests, okay? It's not the best soldiers. Plain and simple, God is leading the way. He's the one who's out front. You know, the ark of the covenant, that is the presence of the living God going up before them. And not just a little ways, we're talking about over half a mile out in front. If you want to turn with me to Exodus chapter 13, this is uh, not the first time that this has happened. Starting at verse 21, said, the Lord was going before them in a pillar of cloud by day to lead them on the way, and in a pillar of fire by night to give them light, that they might travel by day and by night. He did not take away the pillar of cloud by day, nor the pillar of fire by night from before the people. Okay? We see this. You see that right there. He went before them. Okay? Same as the Ark of the Covenant. He's going before them. Okay. Now, let's look at this a little bit deeper. You know, what does that look like for us today? Are we letting God lead the way? Are we following the Lord? What does that mean to follow Christ? 
John chapter 8, verse 12 says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Matthew 10, 38 says, Jesus says, whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. But you, you're getting the point here. It's following after Christ. They were following after God. Are we allowing God to lead the way, even in our own lives? 5. Then Joshua said to the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And Joshua spoke to the priests, saying, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and cross over ahead of the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went ahead of the people. So Joshua tells them here, Before we go out, we all need to do one thing. Consecrate yourselves. Sanctify yourself. Set yourself apart to God. We're not going to be going out into battle spiritually unclean. Well, how can we apply that to our lives? You know, we're not going to be going out into war, so to say, you know, carrying a, a sword or a spear or a shield or a gun, you know. But in reality, we're, the battle is always all around us. They are always under sin. Same, same thing with us today. Okay, That is our battle. If you would like to turn to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. I know I'm flipping around a little bit today, but... Starting verse 12, it says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. So what is it if somebody tries to come against you? You know, it's not about flesh and blood. It's everything else around us that we're being tempted, that we're you know, trying to refrain from sin. You know, we all, I believe that we, most of us in here know the answer to this. How do we stay clean? Plain and simple. Asking forgiveness. Repent. And mean it. Make it come from the heart. Make it from, you know, make it clear in your mind. Just don't say the words. Truly repent. But after repentance, I don't think it has to stop there. You know, how do we how do we protect ourselves? Praying, being in God's word daily, fellowship with each other, as we're doing now, we're in fellowship with each other. And the one that a lot of people don't want to say, but keeping each other accountable. How are we keeping each other accountable? Well, if we're not walking in fellowship with each other, you know, how can we? Okay? Plain and simple, we are going to be attacked. It's not an if, it's a when. You know, this week, you know, 
I felt attacked. I'll be honest. I really I felt attacked. Preparing for today takes a lot of time. And anybody who stood up here, they, they know the amount of time that it takes to prepare for the 20, 30, 40 minutes, whatever it turns out to be. You know, seems like this week I had extra meetings at work, you know, just thrown into the mix. Uh, the kids were wild and distracting. Well, they're, they're always wild and distracting, but <laughs> it's besides the point. You know, uh, you know, what was it, uh, Thursday? Casey's like, you know, the dishwasher's not acting right. It's like... Really? That's still in the fritz. You know, I still haven't fixed that. I haven't gotten around to that because of preparing for today. I know that probably sounds minimal, but when you have a family of five, it seems like that thing is running every single night. So it's kind of like if the washing machine goes down and you have a whole bunch of clothes, a lot of bodies, it's, it's not a pleasant thing. So um, another thing was every Friday afternoon and a Friday evening before a sermon, I come here, and I usually get up here, and I preach it to myself. I try to prepare myself. And the application that I always use is Google Drive. I don't know if many of you have ever used Google Drive, but it's how I type out my sermon, okay? And I was trying to put my finishing touches on it, and I get here, and of course, the Internet's down. You can use Google Drive anywhere you want, but you have to have Internet. So... You know, and on top of it, uh, you know, I knew this weekend was not going to be, you know, an easy one. Casey's birthday was yesterday. So, you know, Casey and I, we went out for lunch and spent some time together, dropped the kids off at grandma's. And, uh, you know, the kids' birthday, we're celebrating Miles and Willow today. So we're getting the house ready for 30 people coming at 1.30 today. So, and then last night, you know, you know, with Miles' birthday being tomorrow, you know, at the um, oh the Quicken Loans Arena, they had Monster Jam last night. Monster trucks, side by sides, four wheelers. You know, what three year old wouldn't want to go to something like that? So, you know, so uh, we didn't leave up there till about 9:30 last night. You know, and in the chaos of getting up there, I put an app on my phone that has the the tickets, right? I bought them two months ago. It also has the parking pass. I get up to the, you know, as I'm pulling into the parking deck, the tickets wipe off my phone. So now I'm like, really? I'm at, I'm at this point, I'm at a point of panic. I call Casey. I say, get on my email. For some reason, I couldn't access it on my phone. It got wiped out. You know, and then she looks, she couldn't find them except a confirmation number. You know, you know, thank the Lord that the parking pass was still there because there's going to be about, you know, 100 cars behind me. They're going to be really mad if I can't go through. So it's just like stress on top of stress. But uh, the help desk was wonderful. They were able to pull up our tickets. So I learned that I will never trust technology ever again. So sorry, Nate. <laughs> But you get the point. You're always going to be under attack. There's, there's always something going on. So you've got to be ready for it. You've got to make yourself clean. You've got to consecrate yourself. Okay? The Israelites did it. We need to be doing it. Okay? We need to be ready when God calls us to be ready. Verse 7. Now the Lord said to Joshua, This day I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, 
that they may know that just as I have been with Moses, I will be with you. You shall moreover command the priests who are carrying the Ark of the Covenant, saying, When you come to the edge of the waters of the Jordan, you shall stand still in the Jordan. Now can you imagine Joshua? He's speaking to God, and God says these things to you. I'm going to exalt you, and I'm going to be with you. The wonderful thing of being a follower of Christ, we know exactly how this feels. He says that he will never leave us nor forsake us. And if that doesn't give you encouragement on your worst day, I have no idea what will. It does me. Yesterday, as I'm frantic and trying to find my, you know, the tickets that won't appear, you know, you know, Casey said, she's like, yep, I just, I got to start praying, you know, because at that point, that's all you can do. But Verse 9. Then Joshua said to the sons of Israel, come here and hear the words of the Lord your God. Joshua said, by this, you shall know that the living God is among you and that he will assuredly dispossess from before you the Canaanite, the Hittite, the Hivite, the Perizzite, the Girgashite, the Amorite, and the Jebusite. So Joshua tells them, the living God is among you. You're not alone in this. And if that's not enough, he's going to assuredly dispossess from before you all these people. Okay? What is this word assuredly? It means without a doubt. A 100% certainty that this is going to happen. Moving on to verse 11. Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth is crossing over ahead of you into the Jordan. So I've already told you that he's going to assuredly dispossess the land. God is going to be among you. But guess what? Not on top of that. He's going to go a half a mile out in front of you. Okay? He is going to lead the way. I don't know if any other call to war other than that that could have worked out better. Joshua's here telling this is going to happen. He says, behold, look over there. It's going first. Verse 12. Now then, take for yourselves twelve men from the tribes of Israel, one man for each tribe. It shall come about when the soles of his feet of the priest who carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, rest in the waters of the Jordan. The waters of the Jordan will be cut off, and the waters which are flowing down from above will stand in one heap. So when the people set out from their tents to cross the Jordan with the priest, carrying the ark of the covenant before the people, and when those who carried the ark came into the Jordan, the feet of the priest carrying the ark were dipped in the edge of the water, for the Jordan overflows all its banks all the days of harvest. 
the waters which are flowing down from above stood and rose up in one heap a great distance away at Adam, the city that is beside Zarethan. And those which were flowing down toward the sea of Areba, the salt sea, were completely cut off. So the people crossed opposite Jericho, and the priests who carried the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan, while all Israel crossed on dry ground until all the nation had finished crossing the Jordan. So you get the point here. The priest's feet hit the edge of the water, and the Jordan River, River stops. Okay, but it stops a great distance away. Okay, and this time of the year, it was in a drought. Okay, it was completely overflowing. And I was looking into this where, where they were crossing. It was not clear at the top. Okay, it was a couple miles from where the Jordan River enters into the Salt Sea. If you know anything about water... You know, it starts off in little creeks, and then it enters big creeks, and then from big creeks into rivers, and then into rivers, usually into a larger body of water, okay? So can you imagine flooding plus all this, you know, all this water flowing downhill at this point before it hits the salt sea? So where they're at, it's going to be rushing. It's going to be overflowing. It's going to be probably one of the worst spots that you'd ever want to pick to cross a river. I'm going to be picking it about 20 miles upriver where it's just a little stream. But what they say, they come to the edge of the river, the priest's feet hit the water, and it dries up, and everyone crossed on dry ground. Now, can you think about it? If you were young enough when they came out of Egypt, okay, one generation has passed, that other generation, the next generation, would have been probably in their 50s by this time. This is the second time they saw that. That would just blow my mind. You saw it one time, and now you get to see it again? So that would just blow my mind on that one. But plain and simple, I wanted to, just, I wanted to get to the takeaway of Chapter 3, at least what it felt to me, at least what I... I pray it's for you guys, is what it comes down to is they followed God. God led the way. So the question here is, how am I following Christ in my life? What does that look like right now? And if I'm not, what is holding me back? I feel as though this is a question that we just don't need to ask ourselves just once in a blue moon, but on a regular basis. We need to be asking ourselves because any little thing can distract us. You know, this week I was extremely distracted. Okay, and but out out of it, you know, I felt God. I felt Him in my presence because this this time of the year is my busiest schedule. This is cold and flu season. This is joint replacement season. I'm normally treating 50, 55 people a week. And for some reason, I only had 42. You know, that is an entire day's worth of work for me to pull back off my schedule. He knew. He knew exactly what I needed. I felt him 
He took that stress away from me on top of all the other stresses, and it allowed, he allowed me to prepare. He knew what I needed before I did. So, once again, be asking yourself on a regular basis, how am I following Christ? How am I showing Christ through me to others? How am I, you know, working with others? How am I representing him? At least that was my takeaway from chapter 3. Follow Christ as Israel followed God. Okay? And know assuredly that he was with you always. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Let's pray. Father, we know that you are with us always. We know that in our time of stress, our time of chaos in our lives, the busyness of our schedules, that we just need to take a step back and see where you're at there. And Lord, within that busyness, show us how we need to follow you. And let it be clear, wherever we're at, let us follow you. Wherever, you know, whatever we're doing, follow you. Lord, I thank you that you're in my life. I thank you that you know what I need before I need. And Lord, keep my mind straight, keep my heart pure for you, and allow me to follow you the best that I can. And I pray that for the rest of everyone here today. Let them look down into their hearts, into their minds, and ask him, how am I following you today? Don't look at it tomorrow, look at it today. In Jesus' name. We serve an awesome God, don't we? So amazing to read that in Joshua 3, how God led.